Welcome into episode 11, Inside Atlanta Football. I'm Sports Editor News at Sports Editor Matt Daniels. I'm joined by a beat writer slash social media guru slash preps coordinator, Colin Likas. Do you have any other titles, Colin, at all? Uh, not that I'm willing to attach to my name necessarily, but I'm sure we can try and think up some other ones. Proud Butler 2014 grad? Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm, it's unfortunate there's no <laughs> NCAA tournament to talk about this year, but I'm still For Butler, proud there's no NCAA Butler. tournament for Butler. There's, right. there's plenty of... Uh, no, there's no NCAA tournament this year. Butler's <laughs> not in. There's no tournament whatsoever. That's just the end of it. Uh, there's plenty of uh, discussion... Uh, written word, highlights of uh, top seed Illinois men's basketball after their uh, memorable weekend in the Circle City that you were at, Colin. So uh, yeah. before we dive into to football, it's mid-March, and in these parts everyone wants to know what's going on with basketball. So what was it like seeing those three wins by the Illini and, and that whole experience this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of ramped up day by day. You know, the other uh, Rutgers game was... Uh, Fairly far along in the schedule. Uh, you're talking about game seven of the Big Ten tournament by that point, I think. And, uh, you know, there were Illinois fans there, certainly, but it didn't kind of reach the fever pitch that it would later in the weekend, and Illinois kind of bowled over Rutgers. So that game was kind of, you know, whatever. It was kind of cool to get your bearings around uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, try to understand what it's like to to watch and cover a basketball game inside a football stadium, or at least half of a football stadium. Mm-hmm. But then Saturday and Sunday, just the intensity just ramped up so much. I think Illinois fans saw on TV at home uh, that Rutgers game. They got excited. As many of them as they possibly could came out for the Iowa game in the semifinals and the Ohio State game in the finals. And that Ohio State game especially, I mean, it was... You would have thought the place was full. I mean, it was just very... uh, It's a very different feel uh, after having so many sporting events, college or otherwise, be without fans over the last year, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really awesome experience. Cool to see that uh, Illinois followed through on its potential and got the Big Ten tournament win, got a number one seed in the NCAAs. And uh, I would imagine that Illinois fans are going to show out in force for the NCAA tournament as they are able as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that first round game against Drexel's at 12-15 on, on Friday at uh, Farmers Coliseum. Smaller venue by sure. a huge stretch <laughs> compared to... To Lucas Oil, but we have plenty of coverage uh, throughout the week in the News Gazette. And it and does also... not directly conflict with the first week of high school football <laughs> in the state of Illinois. What a, yeah, what a nice little get a, We get a deal. We get a uh, handle coverage of Illinois men's basketball on, on Friday afternoon into Friday evening, and then Friday night hits. We get a get to tackle high school football week oh, yeah. one because, you know, that's what we all expected to, to <laughs> see is the first round in the NCAA tournament fall on the same day as the first day of high school football. So bizarre. So Illinois. bizarre. Um, what was your what, what were your some big takeaways last week regarding Illinois football, Colin, while you mm-hmm. paid attention to that program while also handling all your other responsibilities well, here at the News Gazette? One of the most significant takeaways didn't happen until Saturday. Uh, when Brett Bielema's class of 2021 grew to five total uh, when he received a commitment from, and I I am so sorry that I'm going to mess up your name, Mount Carmel senior Kanena Odaluga. Um, He was previously not only committed, but according to everything I've read, was signed with Penn, not Penn State, Penn, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Um, but apparently got a full scholarship offer, according to his Twitter post, uh, from Illinois, and that was too much for him to pass up. Like I said, he's from Mount Carmel up north, six foot, 200 pounds, listed as an athlete on his rival's page, doesn't have a stars ranking, but had uh, tons of offers 
from uh, smaller programs, the likes of uh, Ball State, uh, Buffalo, Central Michigan, Kent State, Northern Illinois, Southern Illinois, Western Illinois. So uh, obviously Brett Bielema and his program saw something in uh, in Kanena Odaluga. Uh, he has played as both a running back and a linebacker at Mount Carmel uh, for their Class 7A state champion team in 2019. So uh, we'll see how Illinois wants to use him. Obviously, a linebacker, you would have said a couple weeks ago, that's a position of need for Illinois. Now that Jake Hansen's back, it's not quite as much of a position of need, but you still want to build up for the future, of course. And you could do the same at running back as well, even though Illinois is somewhat uh, a little bit deeper in that uh, in that position. But we'll see where he fits into the system. And, uh, yeah, five five members of Illinois' class of 2021 since Brett Bielema has taken over, joining uh, Josh McRae, Dwayne Johnson, Lucas Althouse, and uh, Keontae Curry. And also uh, always key to to tap into one of the more successful high school mm-hmm. programs yep. in the state of Illinois, like Chicago Mount Carmel, and uh, legendary coach Frank Lenti guided that program for so many years uh, to numerous state titles and, and just basically national recognition at all. And Jordan Lynch, the the former quarterback at Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. is uh, now continuing that tradition uh, for the caravan. And um, I'm sure Simeon Rice, a Chicago Mount Carmel graduate, is proud to see uh, someone from his alma mater uh, come down to Champaign-Urbana again. So um, more importantly, uh, whenever uh, he brings on the field, just the, the optics of that commitment mm-hmm. I think will do do wonders for, for Brett Bielema's program. Uh, obviously, the NCAA tournament's going on this week, too, but the day before the NCAA tournament starts on the basketball front, Illinois is going to have their pro day. Right. We discussed it a little bit last week. We just kind of fill our listeners in on uh, on what uh, athletes that you know that are going to be participating in it and, and what you kind of expect that day to bring on Wednesday for, for the Illinois football program. Yeah, so we know Josh Amadarbebe we've already spoken with uh, as media members last week. A uh, former Illinois wide receiver will be involved and then we are speaking with the other three former Illini who are participating. Uh, this coming Tuesday, we're talking with them. Going to be uh, Kendrick Green on the offensive line, Milo Eifler, linebacker, and Nate Hobbs at defensive back. Uh, and then Pro Day this uh, coming Wednesday, as Matt said. Um, basically, kind of like an NFL Combine deal for these guys. Uh, their chance to show off for some scouts. There won't be any fans in attendance. There won't be any media in attendance at this Pro Day. It's just going to be... The four former Illini, as far as we're aware, and the uh, and the scouts basically mm-hmm. looking to see if uh, they got that NFL potential. Uh, we know Kendrick Green is kind of a guy who's probably a favorite to get drafted at some point. Those other three guys, not quite as clear. Uh, Kendrick Green had an NFL Combine invite. Uh, obviously, no NFL Combine this year in Indianapolis because of the pandemic. So Pro Day is the day for these guys to show out. Uh, give off all their metrics, uh, show what improvements they've made since leaving Illinois. Josh Matterbebe talked about, you know, how he's been training in Arizona, and he's seen significant growth uh, in some of his metrics. He posted a video of himself over the weekend jumping very high. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He, he I think uh, what he wrote in it was, guess how high this jump was or something, so I'm not sure exactly how high it was, but it looked like he jumped pretty high. I can't jump that high. Nobody <laughs> in this office can jump that high. So uh, it was pretty impressive, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking with Kendrick Green and Milo Eifler and Nate Hobbs, especially Kendrick Green, no offense to the other two, but uh, as I've said on this podcast before, Kendrick Green kind of uh, already been graded out mm-hmm. uh, through the NFL draft, projected as a, a potential fourth-round pick. So curious to see what developments he's made since leaving Illinois. 
And he also hopped on Twitter after yesterday's game to congratulate the, fo- <laughs> the uh, basketball players. So that was nice of him. Yeah, no, it's, it'll be a, a crucial day for, for all those former Illini. Uh, this is really kind of their only chance to, to show NFL scouts uh, what they can do kind mm-hmm. of in a, a combine-like setting. So uh, I'll see what, what happens there on, on Wednesday and how that uh, affects your future as well. Some other news uh, last week, uh, as we record this on, on Monday late morning, um, season tickets are on sale. Yeah. For Illinois football, and uh, like you mentioned, Colin, just the the whole atmosphere inside Lucas Oil Stadium this past weekend made a palpable difference. You could feel it in the air, just the energy level. Uh, so, likely having the chance, they have Illinois hasn't officially announced, uh, you know, what capacity will be like at Memorial Stadium right. this season, or how many fans will be let in at all. But the fact that they're having season tickets on sale you think would be that that is good news uh for the illinois football program well it certainly means they expect for some fans to be in there i doubt even the illinois football team knows how many fans are going to be allowed in memorial stadium right now i think that's more so left up to the uh, illinois department of public health and governor jb pritzker to kind of make a final call on that in coordination with the team but yeah, uh, season tickets on sale, uh, single game tickets uh, aren't on sale yet. It's a to-be-determined date for when those will go on sale. Uh, one thing that I thought was uh, pretty cool that was offered by the university was for those in the class of 2021 who obviously uh, missed out on uh, an entire football mm-hmm. season to go watch as seniors. Um, they're being offered basically season ticket prices as if they were still stu- students nice. for for a full year. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, nice goodwill eight, gesture. Yeah, absolutely. Eighty five dollars to sit in the horseshoe for a team that has a lot of palpable excitement around it, and yeah. uh, especially when you get a, a first week game, a zero week game against Nebraska uh, on a Friday night, I would imagine, or something. Around Saturday, Saturday morning, Friday night, whenever <laughs> it is. It's still week zero. They're going to be. It's a Saturday kick right now. We don't know the time yet. Yeah, they're all gonna. They're they're going to be kind of prime time in, in a sense and in, in the, the fact that the other big 10 teams won't be playing so that would be a pretty cool thing to go see especially after uh missing out on an entire football season last year illinois also announced last week a uh, hiring um for, for bielema's brett bielema's staff uh, john marinelli's coming on board as a senior analyst Break it down for us, Kyle. Senior analyst, yeah. According to the press release that we received, uh, he's going to work with Brett Bielma on special projects, including analytics and situational strategy development. Do right. you know what that means? <laughs> Let me know, because I don't. Uh, it sounds like another one of those jobs like we talked about last week with uh, Jade Brinkotter, mm-hmm. uh, one of those behind-the-scenes jobs that you're not, you're not going to see John Marinelli's name in the paper probably ever, but he's certainly going to be important to what Brett Bielma wants to do. Um, according to the press re- release we received, John Marinelli uh, has won multiple state championships as a Connecticut high school football coach, so that certainly uh, has to be a good thing, I would imagine. Uh, also uh, worked over at uh, uh, mostly Connecticut, but uh, he played at Fordham also. Mm-hmm. So he's a former East college guy. player, East Coast guy. And yeah, we'll see. Uh, I guess we'll we'll see more of uh, what John Marinelli <laughs> brings to the program, or maybe we we won't see it, but we will know what it is through somebody else. I mean, if you try to understand what I'm saying, basically, <laughs> John Marinelli's name won't show up ever, but he's going to do stuff that his name should be attached to. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. I think Collins had one day off this entire <laughs> month in March, so just uh, that's the reason for his roundabout way of explaining yeah. no sometimes i'm just bad at explaining <laughs> things too uh brutal honesty here on mm-hmm. inside the line of football yep. um 
rare reps for rare diseases, Colin. That's hard to say. Yeah, try saying that five times fast. Reps for rare diseases. I know in the past, uh, Illinois football, uh, usually in the summer, mm-hmm. they have uh, kind of a lifting event, kind of a power man type, strong right. man type uh, uh, event set up to... To kind of raise money for rare diseases, that's a cause that they've really gotten behind here in the last so oh, eight or nine years or so. But uh, without the chance to have that last summer, uh, they're going to get involved this spring. Can you right. can you fill us in on that? Colin? Yeah, so Kendra Green, Josh Amaterbebe, and Milo Eifler are, are all involved. They each have an individual uh, campaign as part of Reps for Rare Diseases, and basically they're going to raise money through their their work at pro day so uh, that's that's really the gist of it trying to raise money for uh for research toward rare diseases certainly a commendable cause for all three of these guys kendra green as we know has been part of uh, several uh, commendable causes on campus uh, during his uh, college career so this is just another step toward that but yeah we'll see uh, how much i don't know if we'll find out how much money specifically each of these guys raise mm-hmm. maybe illinois will release that afterward um I, w- I would like to basically, oh, here, here's the description. I got the description <laughs> for you. Uh, fans and supporters can pledge to any one or all three of the players for each bench, bench press repetition or vertical or broad jump inch they perform at the pro day. So um, you can basically visit a page on the Illinois website as a fan, and if you want to donate to uh, each bench press rep that Kendra Green, Josh and Matter Bebe, and Milo Eifler do, or each inch that they are able to jump in the ber- vertical or broad jump, that will raise money for uh, research toward rare diseases. Nice. I'd be yeah. curious to see what Kendrick Green's vertical is. No offense to Kendrick Green. You're a really good athlete in, yeah. as well, not just a... A stodgy offensive lineman. He played. Right. I think he played four sports at or three sports at, at Peoria Central. as a football player, state uh, qualifier in wrestling, and played baseball as well. So there yeah. you go. Uh, spring football has been going on across the state for the last month or so in the FCS ranks, and it has not been going well for three of the four <laughs> teams in the state of Illinois. Yep. Um, this past weekend, Illinois State lost to North Dakota State, twenty-one thirteen. Eastern Illinois lost to Tennessee State 21-20. Western Illinois lost to North Dakota 38-21. But down in Carbondale, the Salukis <laughs> are are thriving. Holding strong. Uh, under Nick Hill. Uh, they beat Northern Iowa this past weekend 17-16 and 17-16 to improve to 3-1 and one on their season. Now their season started last October with a win against Southeast Missouri, and now they've played three games right. so far this spring. And then this weekend, at least one of those winless in-state FCS teams will pick up a win because Illinois State and Western Illinois are supposed to play this weekend. Let's, let's just hope that they don't get rained out or something and the game gets canceled. <laughs> no doubt, like Illinois State's opener at yeah. Missouri State uh, happened last month. Yeah, that would be that would be disappointing. Yeah. Good for SIU. Yeah, go, go Salukis. Um, we've covered all the position groups uh, for oh, Illinois yeah. football so far going into the 2021 season uh, in this off season. So we're going to take a, a kind of a different direction with this next segment, and, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. It's, that's our podcast. We just kind of throw things out there and see what sticks, what works, what doesn't. But uh, each week we're going to try to revisit an important game in Illinois football history. And Colin, with your first choice for this, I think it's the most recognizable win for Illinois football mm-hmm. in the last 25 years. I don't think that's, that's saying fair. too much, maybe even longer. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about the the twenty eight twenty one win by Illinois at uh, number one Ohio State on November tenth, two 
2007, uh, historic day uh, for the Illini, coached by Ron Zook in that game, going into the horseshoe and shocking the country with their win uh, against the Buckeyes. And that team obviously was the best Illinois football team in recent memory, ended up going to the Rose Bowl. So it's not like they were winless going into that that November game in Columbus, but still a, a pretty... Pretty stunning moment, mm-hmm. uh, one that is still resonating uh, around the program to this day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure when Illinois fans entered that season, uh, after they lost to Missouri in week one, 40-34, they probably didn't expect we're going to go into Ohio State two months from now, two and a half months from now, and defeat the then number one ranked team in the country. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah, this this Illinois team was not was not bad, like like you mentioned. I mean, they, they lost that Missouri game by six points. Their other two losses going into the Ohio State game were by Iowa to four and by Michigan to ten. Mm-hmm. So really, it's not like they were getting utterly blown out. They had won all their other games, uh, beating IU, beating Penn State, who was ranked at the time, beating Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who was ranked at the time. Wisconsin team coached by Brett Bielema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so uh, going into uh, going into Columbus, I mean, certainly it probably looked like an insurmountable challenge going against the number one team, undefeated team, more than 100,000 people hostile in Columbus. Hostile environment. Very hostile environment. Maybe it looked insurmountable, but obviously Illinois didn't treat it that way. I mean, they fell behind almost immediately. Uh, Chris Wells, 11-yard touchdown run at the uh, 14.5-minute mark. So they're behind <laughs> almost immediately. But um, somebody whose name I've always enjoyed saying, I don't know if he's still playing in the NFL, Michael Humanawanui. No, he's not. He hasn't been for the last couple That's seasons. That's unfortunate. But he got Illinois on the Bloomington board. Bloomington native. Yeah, he got Illinois on the board with a, a three-yard uh, three touchdown pass from uh, Juice Williams. So... Uh, that that got Illinois rolling, and it was fourteen fourteen at the end of the first half. Do you do you re- or the end of the first quarter, I should uh-huh. say? Do you uh, do you remember anything after that first quarter? I mean, were you? I, I know you weren't here yet. I know you weren't working for no. the News Gazette yet. I was in were, you wa- were you watching this game at all, or were you, were you watching Eastern I play at that point? I was probably covering an Eastern Illinois football okay. game that day. It was two thousand seven, so I was a senior in college. Okay. I was. I might have been in Jacksonville, Alabama that weekend, oh, wow. covering Eastern. Okay. Jacksonville State. Okay. Memorable well. moment about that game is their press box was set up kind of like a garage. It had kind of like an overhang, like, oh, okay. like shutting the garage door, and they had they had amazing barbecue. So that's what I remember from hmm. that. So it it might have actually been a bar secretly <laughs> <laughs> inside. That's, a press that's what box. it sounds yeah. like. I think but, that's where I might have been. But no, I remember hearing results of this game. I think on the drive back and was pretty shocked about it and obviously in the proceeding 13 and a half years i've heard plenty about this uh mm-hmm. this moment in illinois history yeah and uh ohio state again went ahead uh, 14 to 7 still in the in the first quarter mm-hmm. uh there's still more than nine minutes left when ohio state makes it 14 to 7 but uh after jacob willis caught a 33 yard touchdown pass from juice williams uh ohio state did not lead again in this entire game <laughs> Uh, 14 all after the end of the first quarter. Like I said, Brian Gamble caught a touchdown pass before halftime, 17 seconds before, before mm-hmm. halftime, in fact. And then uh, Marquez Wilkins kind of uh, put it, I, I'm sure Illinois fans didn't feel like it was out of reach at 28-14, mm-hmm. but ultimately that's what it wound up being, out of reach with a 31-yard touchdown reception from, again, Juice Williams. And 
Ohio State didn't score again until there was less than a minute to play in the game. Yeah, I mean, less the, than a minute to play in two, the third two, thing, two things that kind of stand out for me in, in rehashing that game, mm-hmm. um, and again, just hearing about it over the years and talking to people involved in it and obviously reading uh, the coverage that, that we had here at the News Gazette is the Juice Williams basically telling Ron Zook, hey, we're going to go for it on, on fourth <laughs> down to keep that drive. And two, the obviously the iconic photo of, of Jay Lehman um, after the game that, that you can see clear as day in your, in your head. Yep. But also just the, the fact that you, you mentioned, you, when you think of that 2007 Illinois football team, you think of Deuce Williams, Jay Lehman, Aurelius Ben, mm-hmm. Rashard Mendenhall. I mean, those are kind of the, the marquee names, uh, you know, the skill position players that thrived uh, kind of on the biggest stage. But you're mentioning names that, you know, I think Illinois fans in the moment really vividly recalled but otherwise otherwise mm-hmm. the, but I think it just goes to show you too kind of the depth that that team had yeah. and, and the overall rapport they had and just the the talent that they had at, at multiple positions that they were able to get key contributions from guys that weren't exactly household names and in, in the biggest environment that season to to win at Ohio State against the number one team in the country I think is just it's going to be a victory that you know reverberates in Illinois football history for for quite some time. Yeah, and uh, along that same line, I was going to ask you because you mentioned Rashard Mendenhall. If you had one guess as to who Illinois' leading rusher was that day, who Daniel Dufresne. There you go, Daniel Dufresne, not yep. Rashard Mendenhall, not mm-hmm. Juice Williams, Daniel Dufresne. Yep. I mean, Mendenhall and Williams had good totals. They mm-hmm. had eighty-eight and seventy yards respectively, but Daniel Dufresne had one hundred and six yards. Didn't. For a touchdown, broke, I, think he, I think he broke off a long run early in the game, if I remember. An 80-yard run, yeah, correct. There so, you go. Juice Williams was throwing for all, the, the, one of the stats that starkly stands out to me is Juice Williams throwing for four touchdowns mm-hmm. and Todd Bachman throwing for three interceptions. Todd in Bachman, twice. that's a yeah, that's a name. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a throwback. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a Ohio State name of the past. You <laughs> Todd don't Bachman, really yeah, <laughs> don't really think yeah. of. And then just looking at the defense, like you said, Jay Lehman, Vontae Davis, mm-hmm. Britt Miller, yeah. all in there. Antonio I mean, Steele. Yep, those are names that are still recognizable mm-hmm. to this day. So, yeah, uh, I I like uh, looking back at history. It's yeah. something I personally like. That's why I suggested this. Also because, obviously, I'm not as uh, in-depth with Illinois football history as some other people around here, and certainly be not as in-depth as some of the people who uh, listen to this podcast. So bringing up uh, old games is fun for me. So if you have yeah. any suggestions for the future, let us know. Even even if it's a loss, I guess. I'd probably rather do wins. <laughs> but if you've got any like really memorable losses yeah. you want us to talk about, let, it, let the, us know. The, what, the f- uh, how many overtimes was that Illinois-Michigan game? Oh. Uh, 67-65. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That'll be a good one. All right, maybe next week or <laughs> some other time. But, yeah, no, it's a, a good segment we're going to have here every week. So, Colin, thank you for uh, bringing that idea up. Uh, now on to the final part of the podcast where we uh, draft 10 different items. We call it the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pick a vari- pick a different topic each week, and Colin and I basically have a draft. So uh, this week we're going to stick to the 2021 Illinois football roster, and we're going to pick our top 10 returning Illini underclassmen. Now with that comes a key asterisk. We're not... Uh, we're not picking super seniors, I guess, is nope. the, the phrase being coined by Illinois for Correct. all those seniors that are taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility right. afforded to them by the NCAA because of the pandemic. Uh, so we're just going to... We're also not picking any juniors who are going to be yes, seniors next exactly. season. So we're just we're, sticking with your freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomores there you from go. last season. No incoming players either because it's kind of hard to predict what incoming players are going to do at the college level. 
Colin's got a list uh, of guys here. Uh, I'm going to cross one off because <laughs> he is transferred. What did I put on there? <laughs> put Casey Washington on oh there. Oh, yeah, Casey he's, Washington. Uh, he's now at Wake Forest. Yeah, he sure is. Would have made a big contribution. He, I think he would have been a top two, top two receiver in the room. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but, Colin, you get the first pick. Um, we've got about 12 or 13 names on here to, to choose from. So, Colin, go ahead with your, your first selection. Well, there's a lot of good ways I think you can go with this. And uh, for my first pick, I mean, I don't know if he'll be starting in week one. but Week uh, zero. Week zero. But he'll certainly <laughs> have a role. At least I would have to imagine he'll have a role. Would be uh, Isaiah Williams, a quarterback, uh, after the way he performed down the stretch in the second half of last season in kind of a sometimes muddled role where you weren't really sure which Illinois quarterback mm-hmm. you were going to have thrown at you on a given day. Um, I feel like there's there's certainly a home for him in Brett Bielema's offense. Obviously, Brandon Peters feels like there's a home for him in Brett Bielema's offense as well. That's why he came back for an extra year. But I certainly feel like we're going to see plenty of Isaiah Williams this coming year and probably a little more consistently, uh, at least I would think so, than we did last year. Solid pick. The quarterback, after all, so he's yeah. uh, got the ball in his hand. Quarterback who looks like a running back sometimes. <laughs> um, my number one pick, um, I think this is kind of straightforward, mm-hmm. especially based off of last year's season when he kind of emerged as the, the top running back mm-hmm. for the Atlanta. And I'm going to go with Chase Brown sure. uh, with my number one pick. Uh, you'd have to think he, him and Mike Epstein are kind of leading the charge in, yeah. in that department, in that room going into this season. But just the, the way he was shifty last year in, in terms of his running style, but also he also ran hard. Uh, he could do it all. Th- throughout yeah. the game, and I think that was really noticeable as the season picked up and as Illinois got more confidence in him. And I think as a running back, knowing that Brett Bielema was your coach um, and the type of offensive schemes that Tony Peterson has run in the past in his career, I think you have to be really excited mm-hmm. for what you might be able to do this season and maybe be that featured back for the Illini. And uh, I don't think it's outlandish to think that Chase Brown could come close to hitting the thousand yards or so uh, this year, especially in a full season. Uh, Obviously teams are going to know more about him this year Mm -hmm. than they did last year since he barely played in 2019 after transferring from Western Michigan. But I'm going to go Chase Brown with my number one pick. So Colin, you're back on the board with your second selection. Uh, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Hopefully he recovers from his off-season surgery in good form, but I'm going to take Tariq Barnes, linebacker. Okay. Uh, was having a really nice breakout two, three, four-game stretch uh, last season, then uh, tore his ACL, and that was the end of that. Uh, so, yeah, Tariq Barnes, um, I think he's going to bring a lot to the linebacker position. Jake Hansen's still your go-to guy now. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tariq Barnes would have been the new play caller. Uh, for the mm-hmm. defense if uh, if Jake Hansen had ultimately stayed in the NFL draft pool. Uh, but I think, obviously, Lovey Smith put a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, expectation, a lot of um, uh, responsibility on Tariq Barnes' mm-hmm. shoulders uh, in the time that he was with the team, that he was healthy with the team last season. And I feel like he's the kind of player who fits into a Brett Bielema defense where he's basically going to always go after 
the player, make sure he puts a good mm-hmm. helmet, not helmet, good, helmet to helmet's obviously a bad thing. Yes. What I'm trying to say is put a hat on a guy. That's there the phrase go. that there coaches always go. use, is the hat on a guy. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that's kind of Tariq Barnes' style, and hopefully, like I said, he recovers from his injury in good form and can come back and be just as explosive and dynamic as he was last year. All right, my second pick might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball too. Same position group as well, and obviously I don't think his playing time is – his playing time was likely going to increase this season, but then Jake Hansen decided to come mm-hmm. back, so this may cut into his playing time. But I'm taking kind of the long road here with okay. Shamad Cooper sure. at, at linebacker. Highly touted recruit out of St. Louis. Trinity Catholic was an Under Armour All-American. Uh, hasn't really had the chance to show what he's capable of so far at Illinois, but the linebacker position in spring ball and in training camp I think is going to be heavily watched just based on on the potential that they have, and I would think right now, kind of the, if you're looking at a first string, second string right now, I think Cooper would fall into that second string with mm-hmm. Hanton being back and sure. uh, Kalen Tolson and Tariq Barnes. But I think he's got a chance to see the field this year and, and make his name known, and whatever strides he can make in the 2021 season, I think will only help him and the program more in, in 2022. So I'm going to go with Shamad Cooper with Kyle. my second pick. I like that. All right, you're up, Colin. Uh, I think there's two ways I could go here because there's two guys from this position group that you could ultimately pick, and maybe we'll, they'll both be picked by the end of this draft. But I'm going to stay slightly more local, go with Julian Pearl on the offensive line, uh, Danville. Mm-hmm. Um, he stepped in really nicely when Alex Palchewski went down with a season-ending injury. And mm-hmm. uh, every everyone we talked to from the offensive line and from the offense who uh, was asked about Julian Pearl had nothing but good things to say about him. I, I remember his first game in when Palchewski was injured. Pearl committed a couple quick penalties, and then after that, it just seemed like he was just part of the he was just part of the part of the gang basically. You didn't always notice he was there, which is can be a good thing with offensive linemen. Uh, Kendrick Green obviously led that unit by knocking guys over all the time, but the rest of the offensive line, you know, they would uh, hold firm with their positions and their assignments and things like that. And Julian Pearl just kind of seamlessly melded into the offensive line and uh, even though that entire unit besides Kendrick Green is returning I think Julian Pearl has certainly earned himself a starting job it just remains to be seen how that how that pans out yeah we'll have to wait and see obviously with Palcheski coming back and Vidarian Lowe at the tackles uh, but Pearl uh, as what the experience he gained last year will, will serve him well uh, mm-hmm. moving forward and, and just the experience that he gained and the confidence that he gained too yeah uh, I'm going to stay on the offensive line yep. with my third pick, uh, a guy that started last year at uh, at right guard, uh, Virtus Brown. Absolutely. Uh, Chicago area native, highly touted recruit when he picked Illinois, played his senior season of high school football at IMG Academy. Uh, but I think you're just going to see kind of uh, the gradual improvement that you want to see out of a, a guy that's been in the program for a few years at all. And uh, Virtus Brown, to me, has the chance to really – uh, develop into a, a solid offensive lineman that uh, you'd have to think that Brett Bielema and uh, the offensive system that they're going to use uh, would flourish in. So he, he struggled early on in his Illinois career to kind of find a home. Mm-hmm. Started on the defensive line, then they switched him over to offensive line, kind of like Julian Pearl, and uh, obviously made enough of an impression last year to earn a starting spot. And you'd have to think, even with the new coaching staff, that he's got kind of the inside track to – to stay in the starting lineup, uh, curious to see if he maybe moves to a left guard spot since that's where Kendrick Green was last year at mm-hmm. all. But uh, he's a veteran guy that uh, knows what it's like to to play in the Big Ten. So I'm going to go with Virtus Brown for my all third right. pick. I like that pick. 
I'm going to go back to defense this time. I'm going to go into the secondary where Illinois obviously had some issues last year that they're hoping to shore up this year. But I feel like one guy who um, was more positive than negative last year would be uh, Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Um, played, in the, played in seven games, had 33 tackles, so that ranks him uh, top 10 on the team. Also had a, a tackle for loss, a couple interceptions, uh, three fumble recoveries as well. So he's he was kind of always in the right place at the right time. Uh, just you know, really steady in the backfield. Uh, I think uh, Nate Hobbs is kind of, or uh, yeah, Nate Hobbs is kind of your your number one guy there. Maybe Tony Adams is your number two guy there. But Devin Weatherspoon could always be relied upon to just make a play when you needed him to. Basically, ran his routes fairly well, I thought, and uh, just had has good hands as shown by the interceptions and the fumble recoveries. So uh, to shore up my uh, defense, I'm going to take uh, Devin Weatherspoon. Solid pick. Uh, I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball with my pick. A uh, guy that uh, I think is he's going to find a role in 2021. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to have a, a featured role at all, but Reggie Love the sure. third uh, played as a true freshman last season as a running back. Has a chance to to really learn from Mike Epstein and Chase Brown and, and potentially see the field. And uh, we saw last year when Epstein uh, was out that Love was the number two guy on on the depth chart and uh, obviously being thrown into the fire as a true freshman of the Big Ten, you're going to have some growing pains at all. But he's proven in the past that he's a talented running back, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with him, kind of a high upside selection, I guess you could call sure, it. But uh, I think so. we'll go Reggie Love with my fourth pick. One more pick, Colin, all right. for you. My last pick, I'm going to go slightly off of what I heard from Josh Amater Bebe last week. Uh, he had the opportunity to mention anyone in the world. Uh, well, obviously anybody in <laughs> Illinois – world uh as far as guys he's looking forward to and i talked to him about you know guys that are still remaining in the receiver room who he thinks could you know make an impact for illinois and one of the first two guys he mentioned was kyron cumby mm-hmm. um so i think i'm gonna go with kyron cumby right. as my at wide receiver he was uh, I, as soon as i took over the beat i noticed that he was one of those guys maybe behind luke ford he was kind of like one of those guys who was just constantly like people on twitter were asking where is kyron cumby why are we not using kyron cumby more yeah. He ultimately didn't get used all that much, but it seemed like he could just be used in any way they, the Illinois offense, Rod Smith, wanted him to be used. just seems like it kind of, uh, in a different way, like like Isaiah Williams, just dynamic. You could use him in multiple options, multiple facets in your offense. Uh, so with Josh Josh Bebe's blessing, I'm going to go with Kyron Cumbie. Sounds good. Uh, my fifth and final pick, I'm going to stay on the local side. Um, a guy you know really well, Colin, yep. uh, from your days covering him at Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. So I'm going to ask you for your favorite story of this uh, <laughs> Illinois football player in a second. But I'm going to go Bryce Barnes, uh, defensive lineman, defensive tackle, which is kind of weird to think yeah. about. But he's really bulked up in his first few seasons at Illinois. Um, former walk-on, or he still is a walk-on, I think, not on scholarship Not on yet. scholarship yet, as far as I'm aware. Yes, uh, but he, he made a... <clears throat> impact late last season uh to me no matter what he even does on the field I think he's just a, a great guy to have for the culture of, of your program he mm-hmm. espouses winning based on his time of success at, at GCMS both in football and and boys basketball as well and, and a guy that grew up rooting for the Illini and, yep. and wants nothing more than to see the orange and blue do well so I think you can't go wrong with a guy like Bryce Barnes 
So that's my fifth and final pick. So now what's your favorite Bryce Barnes story, Colin, from your time covering him yeah, I mean, mainly I so far with uh, with GCMS? You yeah, got him I, on a tractor a couple of years ago. Yeah, right. That's uh, Yeah, we had a nice long conversation because he was one of our uh, athletes of the year for that entire school year mm-hmm. as a senior. And just talking to him about memories of his time at high school, uh, obviously he was part of a, a couple state champion football teams part of a really good boys basketball run to the uh, state semifinals um but he if, if you want to go to somebody who understands rivalries <laughs> it sounds like Bryce Barnes <laughs> might be the guy I'm guessing if you ask him about Northwestern he probably has some interesting things to say because without really being prompted at all he started talking about how much he disliked Paxton Buckley Loda <laughs> because GCMS and PBL just do not really love each other all that much Ford County, Ford County hatred. <laughs> he was just like without being prompted was just like we don't like him we don't like him <laughs> and like I imagine that's probably carried over into like Northwestern and other rivalry games also we'll say Bryce Barnes one of the best high school athletes interviews we've I'd say oh, yeah. I've ever had uh, talked cr- to him a handful of times and he came off like a well-spoken adult mm-hmm. more so than not and he, always uh, had some interesting and enlightening things to say yeah he correctly uh, predicted that Aiden uh, Aiden, Aiden Lockery who's uh-huh. over in uh, Gibson City as a junior right now as uh, when he was a freshman and Barnes was a senior uh, Bryce Barnes ended his final state championship football press conference by telling us all to watch out for Aiden Lawfrey, who now <laughs> holds an offer from, from Illinois mm-hmm. and uh, multiple other D1 offers. All right, Colin. You want to get back to all your all our basketball coverage we got coming up well, now? And, I'm going to try to remember that. certain football things <laughs> like that the Nebraska game's on a Friday. and it's on a Saturday. Sat- I said it again. Yeah, I, I got it okay. wrong. I was so focused what day on getting is today, it right the Colin? second What time. day is today? Uh, I don't know. It's Monday. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> All right, Colin. Uh, thanks again for your contributions and everything you do. And uh, we'll, we'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Illinois Football.